This is Lawson Craddock, Texas born, Texas tough, Texas raised. What do people know you as? Is a nickname? Yeah. Law Dog. Law Dog? Yeah. The Lord of the Dogs? Law, Law Dog. But do you break it down in your own mind when people say Law Dog? Are you in your head? Are you just going, yeah, Lord of the Dogs? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Time again for another podcast, Hamburg. Hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> Welcome to Life in the Peloton, Lawson Craddock. Yeah, yeah, thanks Mitch for having me. Um, I've, uh, I've heard so much about the podcast, excited to make my uh, inaugural podcast experience. I'm happy I got you because yeah. you're on the dream run at the moment, <laughs> um, because not like all Europeans, but us non-Euros, we move away from home to come across and live this life and it's fine, it's great we love it, but when you get a whisper of going home, things get pretty exciting, and you're on you're on that bend now, you've just finished the Tour yeah. of France, we're here at Hamburg, going to go home and do the final races in Canada well not home in Canada, but to the US, yeah. in Texas and feeling right now? Yeah, I mean it's always funny. I've been in Europe now for seven months, and it feels like no matter like how long you're here, you only start to be truly homesick or you know you know be really kind of cracked on Europe the last week to ten days that you're here. If you're here for ten months, you can be fine for mm. nine and a half months. If you're here for two months, you can be fine for a month and a half. But it's always that last little bit that you get that smell of home. You like start smelling the barbecue, the Mexican food. That then you then you really uh, and then you really start to miss it now. But yeah, it's been a good year. I've enjoyed my time over in Europe, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited to head back to the states on on Monday and see my dog, see my wife, and yeah, get the get it going. Shit, yeah. Well, let's talk about this year. More importantly, let's talk about what just happened to you. Um, the Tour de France. And I'm almost sure anyone who watched the Tour de France would have to know about Lawson. Um, he had a crash on stage one and you broke your, what was it uh, in your shoulder? It was a fracture in the spine of the, the scapula. Exactly. And everyone thought, most people thought, wow, it's great that he finished the stage. That was already enough. Mm. And then to go on and, and truck on and, and maybe do one or two more stages was, was crazy. And I'm, and this is a very short version of the story. And this is what I want to talk to Lawson about today. His experience in the tour, he went on and finished the Tour de France, which is already a phenomenal feat to finish it fully fit, ready to go. But with this from day one, it's something extra extraordinary. And that's what I think also puts the extra special part on Lawson heading home not tomorrow, but the next day. And it's just put the, the icing on the cake. He's like, I can't wait to get back there and see all the people who have supported mm-hmm. you along the way. Yeah. 
For sure. I mean, the, the tour was a, a long journey and, you know, it takes a village in this sport just, you know, when everything's going well, just to get you from point A to point B to get you to the, you know, to get you to the Tour de France and especially to get you to Paris. But especially this year, you know, with with the crash on stage one and, you know, the injury throughout the entire race, uh, I mean, uh, everyone from the, the team staff, the medical staff, the Swaniers, the, the directors, the, the riders, you know, to, to my family at home, all the friends, all the supporters uh, mm-hmm. supporting the velodrome. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's really what got me to Paris. You know, I was I – was, you know, pedaling, but you know, is is the the push that I was getting from everyone from behind was uh was what carried me all the way through. So yeah, going home on Monday and then uh, and then heading down to Houston for for a big party out of the velodrome just to just to celebrate the month of July and what we we're able to accomplish. It's uh, uh it's going to be a good uh, a, a good return back to Texas. It's going to be great. Well, I want to talk about that too, but let's let's go back to the beginning. What happened? Yeah. Um, Run me through, wait, because I was with you, I want to say, 10 days out from the tour. Yeah. We're up in Andorra. I just finished the Giro, so I was in a pretty cruisy mode, but you were in highly strung, fit as a fiddle, but still didn't know if you were going to go to the tour. Yeah. And run me through that last little bit of the lead up, the stress, then the, the relief of selection, and then what happened day one. Yeah, I mean, I think what what sets the tour apart from all pretty much any other race on the planet is just the stress around it uh you know it's probably one of the only races that is just an accomplishment to make it to the start to make it on your on your team and so that was my biggest goal this year was to you know make my return to the tour de france uh it was a bummer missing out last year with rigo uh being so close to the win and you know I, i miss being a part of that and so i put a lot into it to uh just to make the tour team this year this is your second Tour de France? Second Tour. I yep. the, yeah, for first time in 2016. Yeah, and so went up to Andorra after Dauphiné and just kind of went full monk. Uh, <laughs> did all the things the cyclists do, you know, big big ride, salad afterwards, sauna sessions. <laughs> so just uh, <laughs> lived the dream. Uh, yeah, I got the call. Whose dream, who's dream is that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That. They always say it's the dream. Yeah. I don't know who's dreaming this, but <laughs> it's a messed up dream, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I got the call from Charlie just uh, about a week to 10 days out from the tour. and That's our head DS, Charlie. We got yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a lot of joy, a lot of relief. Um, but also in that moment, you start to realize all the work that you put into it you know, it's, it's the easy part, yeah. you know, like that's making the team while, you know, it's, it is an accomplishment is, is big goal of mine. You know, that's, that's really, once you get that call, that's when the, the real, real work starts. Cause you are heading to the, one of the toughest sporting events in, in the world. Um, so the stress starts, the work starts, you know, you start to get in that mentality of, okay, we're going to the tour, we're going to win. And, and what can I do to put myself in, in the best possible situation to, to help the team do that. And then, yeah, you, you go to, you fly, fly there a few days ahead of time. Uh, you're basically going to spend a month on the road. So you prepare for that. And then you just spend a few days just in the run and, and yeah, to the tour. Building stress. Yeah, building stress. You realize the magnitude of the race. You, you know, you, I've done the Vuelta twice and I get a call from my mom heading into it. But, you know, at the tour, 
you get calls from everyone. You know, you get messages from people you haven't talked to in ten years. You get all your your hometown uh, news news media out, or outlets that they reach out and want an interview, oh, and shit. it's just. It next just, level. It yeah. is. It is next level. You, you don't sleep as well because you got drug testing in the morning, and and it's just yeah, it's crazy. So it's you're just begging for the the race to arrive, uh, and once it finally is, there's definitely a bit of relief. But once you step onto the bus that first morning, and and you can just feel the tension in the air, um, and even though you know, I think this team prides itself in having a really light atmosphere, but it's just. It's hard for for something like that to break into the stress of the uh, of the tour, and yes, I mean that's that's really. I can feel the tension here now. Right, it's it, already starting to build up. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Yeah, it's it's truly unlike any other any other race that we're we're yeah. exposed to, which is also kind of the the beauty of of the Tour de France. Um, so I mean, it's yeah, but it's as a tour, it's as a professional athlete you you strive yourself and pushing yourself past your 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 limits and and what you thought your limits are and and, you know the tour de france is you know i think all grand tours are but the tour de france is by far the best place to do that Mm. so so all this stress built up and this this you're happy to step on the bike clip in stage one yeah and you're like i'm on my way this thing has started here we go yeah so then what happened yeah, I mean, for the first first half of the sta- uh, stage one of the Tour de France is actually pretty relaxed. You know, it is. It's it's really nice. You you see all your friends, and you know, you talk about, oh, where were you? I was in Andorra. Where were you? I was in Lavigno. And you kind of compare like your whole your whole build up. You know, the work that you did get there, and you kind of look ahead for the ne- the next three weeks. And then it's not really until the end that it starts to get get stressful after after the feed zone. But, I mean, I've been watching the tour since I was 10 years old and always stage one. You know, I, I knew there is – it just seems like there's always one crash in the feed zone. And, and always that rider, you know, the first crash of the tour, uh, it's just maybe a missed feedback uh, or, or whatever. It's just a mishap. And, you know, I was very, very nervous of that happening because, you know, you don't want that to happen to you. But – same thing like it is with with everything else of the tour just a bit more stress in the in the feed zone you know the uh you know the field gets condensed to about a, a quarter of a, a lane of you know these european roads that aren't very big to begin with and um yeah after grabbing my feed bag just trying to make it through safely and honestly didn't even didn't even see anything in front of me but yeah, i imagine i just yeah, i imagine it was a, it was a water bottle um it could have been a grenade. I, I don't know. Because <laughs> I just rocketed off the side of the road. I hit something, and I just went straight off the side of the road. And there was just this moment of clarity in my mind where I just made eye contact with this, this lady that was, that was spectating and watching the race. And it just kind of froze. And I think I, well, we both bought, thought the same thing. <laughs> she was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And it was the same on my end. And it just a, just a head-on collision with her. Shit. So, yeah. Sent me just tumbling straight into the ditch, into the the field, and what happened to her? Yeah, I mean, when I when I got up, she was she was kind of KO'd. I mean, it, it, she she didn't look good. Her friends were there, kind of consoling her, and and she was on the ground. And and I went up there, and you know, this confusion, you know, the pain really had started to set in, and for me, and 
but you know in your mind you're like yeah, i gotta get back on the race but you're also like you, you see someone hurt you want you want to help and mm. so I, I went and tried to check on her and i mean you realize there's, there's really not much that you can do and at that point the team car got up that had been able to stop and hand me a new bike and you know you do the only thing that you that you know how to do and that's just get on and, and keep going and mm. pretty pretty quickly after that you know i try to grab the handlebars stand up and you, you realize that you know you got no you, you got no strength in your left left arm left 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 side and yeah that's when uh that's when the panic starts to starts to set in mm, shit i didn't know about the lady on the side yeah i took yeah i was able to get in touch with one of her friends and um, after after right after the stage, I asked the medical doctor for the the race, and they were like, "Oh no, she's okay, she's okay, she's okay." And then I was able to get in touch with her friends, and I think she ended up with a concussion and a and a fractured collarbone. So shit, yeah. Geez, so she actually took a fair. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt really bad for sure. I mean, it was you. You never want something like that to happen some to someone who's coming and watching the race you know because it is an incredible sport an incredible spectacle and you know she's just trying to enjoy the day with with her family and friends and for that to happen is yeah it's rough tell me about your thoughts post crash and you you touched on it a bit but you jump back on the bike and the immediate thought is i gotta get back in this race you're on you're a bit rattled you're thinking about the lady no doubt mm. thinking about trying to get in the race am i injured i need to get back there's a teammate with you probably or just in the cars what was that initial thought in that panic in the next let's say 5k up to 50k into the finish what were the thoughts on the bike i mean yeah you, I, you pretty much know when something's when something's wrong but in my mind i was just telling myself i was okay you know you do all the all the work and for me it was a really long journey just to get back to the tour this year and for something like that to happen so soon in, into the race you know you you just tell yourself now it's all okay you know like it, it's just it's not as bad as you think it is um and just just make it to the finish because i mean it's it's in bike racing if you stop you're done there's mm-hmm. no chance to get back in no matter what did you think about stopping no, not, especially not the not the first day. It, it never really crossed my mind to stop because I really just wanted to make it to the finish. Uh, and was the pain ever that bad? We were like, oh shit, something's really wrong here. I have to stop. Or he's like, no, I'm not stopping no matter what. The pain was definitely really really bad, but I don't know. I just it, it never, especially in that first day, it never crossed my mind just mm. to just to stop. You know, it's just I, I knew that if I can make it to the finish line and get x-rays then then you can make it you can at least make a plan and if you stop even if it's okay you can't start the next yeah, day exactly yeah. and in in cycling you almost you if you need if you need to stop you really kind of want to be told you have to stop yeah. like you never want to just just pull off you know on on, on your own power and and that was the thing with me is after this like i, I was telling myself you know if if you're gonna drop out of the Tour de France is going to be on your terms. It's not going to be because of, you know, because you crashed and, and didn't want to ride through the pain on the on the first stage. You know, if, if you get done with this, make it to the finish, and then get the x-rays, see exactly what's going on, then you can make a plan and you can make a decision yourself. Mm. So you're not at the liberty of, of the Tour de France. <laughs> so then that night when you got the x-rays, what was the thought process? You got the knowledge. Hmm. What happened? 
Yeah, I mean, good thing about the Tour de France is it's such a you know, big event that there's actually you know an X-ray like uh, bus right after the finish. Hmm. And so I, I finished the stage. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really convenient. Finished the stage. Our doctor was waiting right there, and uh, thought he was going to take me straight there, uh, straight to the X-ray. But uh, yeah, you, uh, anti-doping had a, a bit of a different. Really? Yeah, different idea. Did you have doping control? Yeah, doping control. <laughs> so I had blood Random. Down, yeah, blood running down my face, and, and you know, I couldn't really move my shoulder. And, yeah, when, when Kevin Sprouse, our, our team doctor, he's like, oh, we, you got doping control. I, I, want, I just wanted to break down and cry. It was just it was the last thing I wanted to hurt, but, you know, it, it is part of the job. And Fuck. once you get over that immediate <clears throat> disappointment or whatever. You're in the blood? Yeah, uh, just urine. Oh. But the hardest part was getting out of my my kit because oh. I you can't broke control. You can't really do much with yeah. with half your your side. But we walked in into the anti doping and the guy doing the testing was just blown away. He was like, he tried to tell us no worries, like just go do the X rays, come back, we'll be fine, don't worry about it. But I mean, at that point, we had already walked over there and said let's just let's just hammer this out and then be done with it. Yeah, so that that wasn't fun. But then yeah, I went to the went to the X-rays, got my eyes stitched up immediately. Um, first stitches I've ever had. Mm. So uh, that's exciting. <clears throat> How many? Uh, it's like six or seven. Yeah, no, tonight. Well, those nice ones girl. that sort of dissolve, or the ones that no, really we, hang out. Yeah, we had to pull them out after. Yeah, nice. Week, that's cool. Week, I reckon. Yeah, good story. But yeah, after the stitches, we d- went and did an X-ray. <clears throat> Of the the shoulder, the scapula, and actually everything kind of came back clear. And I thought, okay, maybe I, maybe I, I might, I'll be able to walk. We might be this. a bit of a soft cock. Yeah, We're making yeah. a bit of a scene. Yeah, right? I don't know yeah. what I was doing back there. Everyone's like, so there's nothing broken. Yeah, there's You're nothing like, broken. Oh. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, it's relief, but it's also like, I hope I'm just not being a pussy. But yeah, uh, yeah and, then, and then they pulled the ultras, ultrasound mach- uh, machine out yeah. and started diving in there and they started going over they're like no no it's all good it's all good and you know you start to feel you know a bit more you know optimistic about things and then they just you know once kind of slid over where the fracture is and you can just see a slight break in the the spine of the scapula and i don't know you see this just a small dark line isn't yeah it? small yeah small dark line straight through the bone and I mean, like it's it's like your bone is is your dreams, and this is just a slash straight yeah. through them. I mean, that's that's the way you you pretty much take it, and it was really rough to see just because you you know if you, if you break a bone during a bike race, you're generally out. You're you're out. You're going home. Um, Not only is that is it normally buggers up whatever plans you had for the next mm-hmm. two three months. Yeah, because that puts a halt on anything. Yeah. So yeah. And once you get behind in the sport, it's so hard to catch back up. Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I realized that lesson, lesson from last year for sure, too. But, yeah, I mean, but Kevin, you know, he was there with me every step of the way and talked about the injury. And, so know. what was the thought right then when you saw the, like you said, the slash through your hope yeah. through James? Were you like, that's it. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Oh, that's Did that thought come over you now, then? Yeah, definitely thought it's it's done, you know. And fracture scapula, you know, it's 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 not it's 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 not ideal. It's not good. It's Do you start running through the whole. Well, I've got to go home tomorrow. Like that sort of thought started trickling into your head. Yeah, 
Or you were you straight quite, away like it, it was just pure disappointment. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It was just just complete and utter disappointment in, in you know, what had happened. Uh, Kevin, Kevin definitely had to console me a bit and just kind of walk me through the process, the injury, and pretty much immediately started to put it in my mind that, you know, it's, it's, it's still on my terms. You know, the way the fracture was, it, all in all, we were, we were quite lucky. You know, if the, the cut on my eye was an inch lower, I would have lost my eye. If the fracture was, was just in a bit different place, you know, then it, it probably put, could have done some serious damage to the, like the, the scapula as a whole and, you know, then, then you start to have the problems with the, just the way, you know, while it, it, well, it definitely wasn't ideal, just the way the, mm. the crash happened and the injuries exactly were how they were. Like, it, we, were, we were definitely pretty lucky. So If you can say that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then when did you make that decision that oh, I'm going to go on the next day? Or did you make a decision then, I'm just going to keep going, I'm going to finish this thing? Pretty much the second Kevin told me is like, that it wasn't over was the moment in my mind that I said, I'm, I'm going until I can't go anymore. So what did he say? Uh, to be honest, uh, yeah. You saw the fracture there? Yeah, we saw the fracture. And you said, I'm out. And what did he say? You're not. He, he didn't say you're, you're not out, but he said it's definitely an injury that like that is – I mean, it's safe and secure and stable, and I'm not going to do any more damage hmm. riding on it. So he basically said it starts to give you a glimmer of hope. Yeah, and it's just it was just just the way you phrase it. It was just exactly like you said, just a little glimmer of hope that it was, you know, that it's not all completely done. And from pretty much that point on, you know, you still have these thoughts of, you know, I'm in an incredible amount of pain. Like I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I will have to go home and and, and whatever. Um, but they just get less and less. And, uh, yeah, and, and our main thing going forward was just pain management, just doing everything that we possibly could just to keep the muscles from not just screaming at me for the for the whole race. Hmm. Oh, well, fast forward a little bit. When I saw you start stage two, I thought, wow, amazing. Mm. But I saw the beginning of the end, I thought. Yeah. Oh, it's great that he's starting. Maybe he can get to the end of stage two. I can't remember. It was a relatively flat day, was it? Yeah. Yeah. And, again, if anyone was watching the tour, you would have seen a lot of Lawson. He was at the back, given a lot of space to the peloton. Actually, probably quite a hard position to be in sometimes out of the corners. It went single file, and you'd see him drift off the back and ride back on at his own pace. And I thought, he can't do that the whole tour. Come on now. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know what? Even if he does get through the next week, there's a stage in the middle of this race, the Paris-Roubaix stage. And if anyone knows Paris-Roubaix, the one-day race, it's a race over the cobbles. And this was a stage that went over, was it 10 sectors? uh, 15. 15 or 17, yeah. A lot of sectors. (laughs) And Paris-Roubaix does 26 sectors. Yeah. And so it's a whole lot of sectors. I thought, well, fair game if he gets that far, but ultimately it's over then. Yeah. What happened? What? Tell me about quickly, or if you can, whatever. Yeah. Up to the Roubaix, and were you thinking the same thing? A, l- uh, a little bit. <clears throat> I mean, like I kind of said earlier, we were, we were really lucky with how everything panned out. And when you look at the first nine stages of this year's tour, it was 
relatively easy. It's still stressful. Uh, I mean, you can see that by the just this incredible amount of crashes. We started losing guys left and right after after the first stage. But just the way the the race was kind of the ra- the way the race kind of was. It was the first nine stages going into Roubaix were actually manageable for me. Um, I use not to be a shameless plug, but I use I use my Garmin just religiously, just putting the maps on before. And I learned how to sag the, the back of the peloton like no other. I could see sharp turns coming up, so I knew exactly if I needed to drop off the back while everyone was slamming on the brakes in the front just to make a run at the guys and then and then come out of the corners with a bit more speed. Um, so, yeah, I learned how to ride the back a lot more hmm. than, I, uh, than I ever had in my, nice. in my career. But, I mean, especially the Roubaix stage was well, – we were all talking about and, and what everyone was talking about you know i had some people come up to me and and say that they were after, after the base stage and say they were placing bets on which sector i would i would call it on and i mean you definitely you, you hear that going into it and and for me i mean i think that's a pretty big reason why i was able to to fight through is because no one no one thought i could mm. and so you, you start it and I mean that start was unlike any other, any other bike race I've ever done. It's why. It's just the. So I've been a lot of things in a bike race. I've been stressed. I've been, you know, just it's just been full gas. You're just in this full warrior mode. Just you know, flicker be flick. Just you got to do whatever you can to be at the front at this this certain point. I've I've had a lot of emotions in, in bike races. Happy, sad, whatever. But that stage was the first day in my in my in my life that i've ever been scared in a bike race wow <laughs> i would i just started and i was I, before the stage i got mentally turned on i said you know what screw it i'm gonna help the team out as much as i can i'm not gonna focus on my injury i'm just gonna i'm gonna race my bike how, how i how i uh how i how i know how and basically once we rolled out of the neutral i, I just i just froze I just was. I just went silent. I'm sure I went straight white in the face, and I was just purely just scared. It was. I don't know. It was a feeling like I've never ever had in a bike race. Why do you think that was? Were you scared of what the the, the stones could do to your injury? Were you scared of not finishing? What What was this? I think I was just yeah scared of crashing again. Scared of crashing again. Just the stress in the peloton. Just. Uh, really what was to, what was to come and i think there's a combination of things and also in your mind you, you don't know if really if you'll be able to handle it at all mm. um yeah but it was it was crazy um and and that feeling really never went away until you know well over halfway into the stage where i was back in the last group and and just fighting for survival but that stage was was crazy um yeah basically just hit every uh every sector last wheel uh just rode 15 20 meters off the back of everyone and then just watch guys just fly off the road it was in a, in a way i don't know if this is right but in a way it sounds like to me surfing the back if you could do that in any race because that would mean you weren't up there helping your team it's not a bad way to do it because you stay out of the trouble you definitely stay out of the trouble and then i mean that that was good for me, but it was it was also really rough because you know I came to the tour to to help Rigo try and win the overall, and pretty much you know, the first week that I I just couldn't do that I couldn't come off last wheel, 
and kind of there was one or two days before the Roubaix stage that I started to like kind of get back into it. The body started to feel a bit better, um, and that you know, and because of that, I was able to kind of get mentally into the game before the stage, and then the stage started and all hell broke loose. But that was kind of my my biggest biggest hurdle to to jump mentally mentally was not helping the team out at all you know I, I hate tail gunning I hate you know I hate it when teammates just just sit there and do their own thing and mm. and, and, and don't help out and I was that guy and it like it absolutely killed me and after the base say just seeing how it went and, and not saying I could have saved the day or anything but you know you wanted to be a part of I it I wanted to be a part of it you know and you know, I, I did go to the tour to race my bike, and I didn't go to the tour to, to sit last wheel and just just get through. <laughs> get through. Um, that was a card you were dealt. Yeah. Right. And just moving on, you in saying that you did make the most of it because you didn't make it all about you um, being this guy suffering through and you know this big story. Even though it was a big story, and everyone chose to follow you as well. You decided to use it to promote and raise some money for Velodrome back in your hometown mm-hmm. in Houston. Um, and explain that idea and where that idea came from and just explain, yeah, that idea. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I got my start on the Alcatec Velodrome in Houston when I was... 10 years old it was my in first, Texas in yeah. Texas it was my first bike race did a youth summer league out there with my brother and at the end of the the summer we all raced and the winner won a free bike and I ended up winning the race and that's really how I got started racing and as I kind of progressed through the ranks I've always held the the velodrome that out there just really close to my heart you know it's just for me it was a kind of a safe haven to, to ride my bike you know away from traffic away from 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 everything really so just a place where I could go out with my friends and and kind of let my competitive uh side uh come out a bit um and so really all I all a lot of what I wanted to do in the last five years especially since I've turned professional is just help the Velodrome out as much as as much as I could and really up until the tour this year I, I, I was never quite satisfied with with what I was able to do and and still I don't I'm still not satisfied. I, I want to give the kids and give the guys there the, the best facility that they, they possibly can have. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we started the tour. Uh, we were already auctioning off a, a pair of lake cycling uh, custom Houston Strong shoes that, that we designed uh, with all the money going to the velodrome. So that's how the the seed was kind of planted in my mind to, to try and do something to, you know, just get a bit more exposure and to get a bit more help for the velodrome, um, especially after Hurricane Harvey came in, did some damage last year. And, yeah, it's after the first stage, after the crash, you're kind of sitting there really down upon yourself and you start to run through, like, pretty much everything that, that led up to that point. And a big part of that was... was really the the devastation from Hurricane Harvey last year. It was during a really rough point in my season last year. The team this team was on the verge of folding. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to even race professionally even anymore. And then on top of that, Hurricane Harvey hit and did just an incredible amount of damage to Houston. And that kind of 
put things in perspective for me, you know, like, well, we're sitting here, maybe we're complaining about cycling a bit, complaining <laughs> about how hard it is or life Ooh, on the I road. Run my butt yeah. Like I mean, people actually had, had real damage. They lost yeah. a lot more than, uh, you know, some skin or, 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 or whatever. They lost their homes. They lost their friends, their family. It's could just kind of put it into perspective for me. Mm. And, and so when that kind of run, starts running through your mind, especially in a time like that, you, I don't know. For me, I just wanted to, to help out a bit more and kind of the idea came to me, you know, let's, let's try and turn this into some kind of positive. And, you know, I don't know if I can start the next day even. Um, but, you know, if I can, you know, let's just see where this goes and, and just do what we can for, for others. And yeah. So what was the idea? The idea was, was every stage that I could finish, um, with my injuries was, I would, I would donate a hundred dollars. Um, your money. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of put on Twitter, if, see if anyone, anyone would match and just the traction it got immediately was insane. Absolutely incredible. You're like, Oh shit. I'm actually going to have to set up an account <laughs> yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I was like, I think, I, I think I'm the only guy at the Twitter fronts paying to, to, yeah. <laughs> to raise, but I mean, especially, I mean, throughout the entire race, it was a, a huge motivating factor for me than knowing that I was suffering for a cause greater than... Did it get you across the line a few times? Every, yeah, every day. I mean, there wasn't a day of the Tour de France I didn't think about it. Um, just about what, you know, what everyone was doing and stepping up to the, to the plate and, and helping out. And, you had a and, lot of people behind you too. You're like... Yeah. I'm not just doing this for me anymore. And not that you ever are just doing it for you, but sometimes it feels like that. Mm, and you yeah. take yourself out of the picture, you go, well, hang on, there's a lot of people supporting me. But then you went the next level. A lot of people you didn't know, but mm. you knew they were still supporting you in this other way for yeah. a great cause. It would have been a would have been a bit of pressure, but in a good way. Yeah, it was definitely good pressure. I mean, I, had, I think in the end we had over 3,000 people make a donation, which is mind-blowing. Mm. Um you know, just in, in in the fans on the side of the road, there was there's a really dark day of the tour. Uh, there were a lot of dark days of the <laughs> tour, but this one in particular, I was off the back on a climb, and just someone on the on the side of the road just kind of yelled, "Do it for Houston!" Wow! Oh. And it just kicked it just kicked me into you know into gear again, and I, you know, I was able to kind of take a step back and remove myself from the situation and be like, you know, th- this one is for Houston. This one's not for me. This one's not for, oh. for anyone else. Or This is for, for the community in Houston and the velodrome there. And yeah, I mean, it was, I, I've said it many times, but it is incredibly motivating and, and it's hard to, it's really hard to put that into words exactly what it means to me. You know, it's just, it's just a, a really special uh, special feeling and, and there's a lot of special moments throughout the three weeks that's what makes me really think about in two or three days time being back at that velodrome and seeing everyone there and how much <clears throat> that'll mean for you but also for them mm. it's gonna be great yeah it's uh i know i'm really excited to to you know go go back to the velodrome and and just see everyone i mean that's that's where it all started for me and you know it's you know, it led to the Tour de France, and you know, I'm 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 for believer believer in fate, and I believe that you know I was sent to the Tour de France this year to to start this this uh, this fundraiser for the velodrome and, and get exposure for them, and, and ultimately, 
get more kids on bikes because that's what it's all about. You know, mm-hmm. it's just getting more uh, more children and more more youth in, in Houston and and uh, teaching them about the velodrome and just how fun it is to ride. Mm-hmm. So, in all that, who was your angel? Who was the person that? kept you on the bike and it might be someone physically like a physio or it might have been someone simply like your wife you know I know you had those other drivers like do it for Houston and um you know the guys people yelling out on the side that you know and just that you know I want to do this to raise the money but who were the real angels that did get you on the bike every day yeah I mean like you said our physios were incredible Matt Raven Rob Palmer our, our medical staff you know, Sprouse and Rick, physically they, they kept me in the game and able to compete. Um, on the emotional side, it definitely goes goes to my wife. You know, every every night just being able to talk to her and, and kind of remove yourself from the mm. race too and and just kind of – it just kind of brings you back down to rea- reality a bit, you know, just to uh, just to give yourself a, a mental reset from, from the stress and the – from the tour that you're putting on your mind and your body. Um, but I mean, as far as the angels go, yeah, it's definitely my, my grandma looking down on me. She actually passed away, uh, a year ago, uh, the day of the Roubaix stage. Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was another thing I made last year so rough for me. And, and just the fact, you know, like I think, uh, for it to be on the Roubaix stage this year and, and just the fact that I was able to make it through, I mean, I think she, uh, I, I had a pretty big uh, garden angel mm. look, looking down upon me, so. Well, that, and that explains a little bit of that, that feeling you had on the start line that day. Yeah. You know? Well, you were telling me a story about, and I've written here, did you, did you ever give up? And you were telling me a story today on the plane on the way across here about because you couldn't get out of the seat sometimes when the bunch goes over these it wasn't the big climbs you worried about because mm. you could sit in the seat and you could ride great tempo it was the small climbs yeah because the rest of the peloton just sprinted at five six hundred watts and you could do 400 in the seat but ultimately that put you off the back of the bunch mm-hmm. and one day you were saying you know the bunch started really fast over these cat fours cat fives which is small one one two k climbs and was there a moment there where potentially you just went, you know what, I'm out. Uh, it's out of my control now. I'm off the back. What happened in that in that fast stage there? Yeah, that was uh, the day before the last rest day. We finished in um, we finished in Carcassonne, and uh, you know what? Those day after the rest day we started in Carcassonne, and the day we got uh, pepper sprayed, which is <laughs> you can have a whole podcast about that one. What happened there? That Quickly. was. Yeah, briefly, I mean, we just rode through this bizarre situation with all these hay bales that were in the middle of the road and all this hay everywhere. And you just see these police officers tackling these these farmers. And then you just ride through this almost this kind of vague cloud. And all of a sudden you just, everything just goes, it doesn't go dark, but you just, you can't breathe. You can't, like, you can't see. Your eyes are just t- tearing up. It was... It was insane. I remember one of the... Did everyone get affected by it? Uh, I think maybe, like, there was, like, five five or ten guys that were, like, kind of not off the front, but, like, barely trying to get... They were trying to get off the front. I, I think they were the only guys that didn't get hit. And what did the Peloton do? Everyone just 
like you would have thought, you know, we, I, I, my first instinct was it was poison. That we, like it was it was insane. It was it was crazy. But did you did you guys stop? I don't remember that. Yeah, the the they were stopped the race, and they had they had eye drops somehow. I don't know how they had how they had eye drops for everyone, but they had eye drops and everyone had water. I just remember. Uh, one of the race officials kind of walking around and he was all wide-eyed and you can tell he's like oh boy this is not good and he like saw me and I've got my my injuries and I'm just not in really not really in a happy place there and he just looks like are you okay and for the first time in my life I think I answered that question just truthfully and I just said no (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah he didn't know what to say to that (laughs) yeah but that was that was just a really really bizarre situation uh, you know pe- I've been prepped sprayed once and I, I think I'm good oh, yeah, okay. but later so, on in that stage yeah we we were going over these climbs just these small rollers and that would not be a problem you know they aren't a problem for anyone but I just I couldn't get out of the, out of the saddle and sprint and so on this kilometer and a half climb when the brake is going rocket not the brake but the peloton's going you know, like Mach 4 uh, sprinting over these things like they're, they're nothing and I I can't get out of the saddle I just sit there riding full gas going straight back and um, went over the top a bit of the, the KOM about 15 meters back from the, the last rider and you know the peloton just took off and just left me in the in the dust and I ended up uh, within a group of four um, Seth Van Mark was, was in there too um, our, our teammate and we just started chasing flat out. The four of us just rotating, uh, pure panic mode. And how far into the stage? How, how far to go? This was, it was a 200, I think it was, oh, it was over 200K. And this was about 50K into the stage. Mm. And the breakaway didn't go until 90, 90K in. And so you have the, everyone in the peloton just going as fast as they can. And you have four guys just are, are off the back for a reason just rotating as hard as they can, which is not nearly as fast as, as a Peloton. And at one point we were told that we were four minutes behind the, the group. And then you would hear that they're still attacking. So they're not, they're not slowing down at all. So that day was panic for sure. You started running, you started almost trying to figure out what you're going to say after the stage as your, your goodbye to the, to the Tour yeah. de France. And Still not giving up, but losing a bit of hope. Yeah, yeah, definitely losing a bit of hope, and then were you were you a bit like the injuries are stopping me now? Now I'm just actually getting beaten by the race. Yeah, you no, know? for sure. I mean, it is stopping yeah. you sort of, but it's not like you know what I mean. You're not stepping off because of the injury. You're like now I could just be out of time. Yeah, exactly. Now I mean. The, the nightmare scenario that you've kind of been running that you've been scared of for the last two and a half weeks is is finally there and you know I, yeah the race it just takes its toll and and not only on me but i think a lot of the peloton especially in the, the final few days of the race and i mean you could tell and uh, yeah i mean it was it was definitely pure panic um I did not enjoy that stage. Fortunately, the, the peloton stopped and we made it back uh, just in time before the group started riding again. Uh, but it was, 
was a, it was a very dark day. Like I said, a lot of dark days, but that was, that was another very dark day. It's funny too, because on paper, everyone would be like, oh, if you, for instance, you didn't make it, that's weird. Yeah. You didn't make it on that day because yeah. everyone, you, on paper, you always look at the, the Alpe d'Huez or yeah. the, you know, the Mont Ventoux, or that's the day you've got to be scared on. But yeah. quite often, it's still hard days, but it's those in-between days yeah. that ends up being the... Yeah, you almost let your guard down a bit, thinking, yeah. oh, if I can make it up out to Ez, this will be no problem. But you learn your lesson on that one pretty quick. So what was your toughest moment then? If you can put it down to one moment. <sighs> See, that's that's just a really difficult question too, to answer. Too many tough moments. Because there, yeah, there were a lot. And it was... What sticks in the mind right now? Just the immediately after the crash. And, and honestly... The, the most difficult moment was, was seeing the fracture on the ultrasound. Mm. Um, that was by far the, the lowest point of the tour for me. And I think because at that point I thought it was done. And, you know, once you can kind of get back into it and, and, you know, you start getting back on the bike and start doing the stages, you you can definitely set goals for yourself The you know, to say, okay, make it to make it to the feed zone today after the feed zone, make it to the X kilometer X and, and, and things like that. But in that moment that the, you know, the fracture came across the screen, that's when everything just kind of went black and that's when you think it's, it's done. So I, I think if I were to pinpoint one moment of the Tour de France that's most difficult, yeah, I wouldn't say any particular stage or, or climb or, or moment in, in the race, I'd say is the, the, the time seeing the, the the actual fracture. What and what was the the finishing moment like? And was the finishing moment crossing the line at the Champs Elysees, or was it finishing on that time trial stage twenty, going it's yeah. done? Ah, uh, definitely finishing uh, finishing the time trial. Because I mean, my my entire goal was to make it to Paris, and we finished stage nineteen, which was just an incredibly difficult stage like 5,000 meters of climbing and just flat out and even then I thought okay you know that was the that was the final test to make it to Paris but you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch and I knew the time trial was kind of even if it was you know relatively easy to get through you just you just never know and then uh yeah but you know I was going through the TT and you know you, you cross that 3k to go 2k to go 1k to go you start to realize oh it's the suffering's the suffering's done you know oh. and yeah it was it was a lot of motion um crossing that finish line because at that at that particular moment i mean it's you know the the goal i i, I accomplished my goal of making it to paris and i knew that nothing was going to stop me from getting on that flight to get into paris racing on the chomps and and celebrating with my family so sick yeah yeah, I can feel that now. Yeah, it was uh, it was an incredible moment. Um, yeah, and then and I mean also just just finishing in Paris and you get goosebumps racing around the Arc de Triomphe mm. under normal circumstances. And but after that, after that for sure. And then you know my my family, my parents, my wife, my my brother flew over to Paris to to watch the finish. And then just seeing them after the finish. Uh-huh. It was a uh, yeah, it was an emotional few days for sure. Um, yeah, it was just the culmination of a lot of a lot of fighting and suffering and 
you know, just paying to, to get there and, and knowing it was all done and finished and put it put that one in the scrapbook and, and move on was uh it was nice <laughs> tell you what just to see your story now I'm about to go into the welter it's actually gonna it's go, I'm gonna think about that quite a lot because I know there's gonna be points sort of mid tour or to Wednesday, towards the end of the tour I'm gonna yeah. be like see I've had enough but yeah. I want to remember this moment and go, fuck, Law Dog did it. <laughs> he did it. And I can I can do it too, you know? Like, it's inspiring, man. I, I love it. Ah, oh, thanks. No, that's I mean, and that's that's what I love the most is seeing the messages and on Twitter and stuff of, of saying, look, you inspired me to, to get on a bike or you inspired me to, to get through this. And to me, I mean, that's, that's why we're professional athletes and, and, and kind of – you know, we're given this unique opportunity to have this exposure that we normally wouldn't have. And, you know, I think a lot of being uh, kind of in, the, in, in that spotlight is, is, is what you do with it. And, you know, to, to hear people kind of come back to you and say, look, uh, you know, I crashed on the bike or my kid crashed on the, on the bike and, and, and you inspired him to get back up mm. and not quit and, and keep going is, is uh, yeah, that's what, that would bring, brings me the, the most joy so brilliant mate well thanks for coming on the pod yeah thanks for having me you can listen to life in the peloton yeah. we've got uh hamburg tomorrow hamburger and um look out for law dog and the rest of the season and um keep tuning in for the next potties coming up thanks buddy yeah thanks for having me